So yesterday was a, another massive annual moment. A new financial year began. And I know that's on all your radars and you are just very excited at the prospects of whole new budgets and everything else. But over the years, we've kind of wrestled with when to talk about church finances and how to do it. And we've kind of settled, at least for a moment, to use the sort of new financial year as a reminder just to look again at the issue of money. Now, I want you to hear me in this. The church is not a business and we're not a family. Uh, our uh, economy cannot be judged in the same way that you would judge Marks and Spencers or Debenhams. And also, your own domestic budget is different to how a church budget runs. So the criteria for what success and failure looks like is different. So um, it always seems good to me to sort of look back to find out what Scripture says about sort of church budgets and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Um, so if we can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You, can, um, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, uh, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel in Christ, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul starts this passage on giving uh, by observing a very, very basic farming principle. It is so basic that even those um, that have not got an allotment, not even got a garden, they should be able to understand Paul's point. He says, if you only plant a couple of seeds, you will only get a couple of plants. Or in my case, you'd probably get no plants. So if you only sowed a couple of seeds, my lack of green fingers would probably mean nothing would come up. But if you are generous with the seed you sow, if you spread it abroad in a liberal fashion, 
If you go crazy with the seed, you'll get a bumper crop. And this is this basic agricultural metaphor that, that Paul observes and says it has relevance to when we are thinking about giving. Because he then moves on to a very touchy, sensitive subject um, that I often just completely avoid. I'm happy to talk about lots of things. Sex, drugs and rock and roll, we will talk about till the cows come home. But money I'm a little bit sensitive for about. Partly because I know that some of you struggle day to day. And, and this is something um, that is a delicate issue. But Paul doesn't avoid the subject. He talks about people's personal wealth. He talks about your bank accounts and your mortgages and your pensions and your benefits. And he talks about that for the church in Corinth. All the people that went to church in Corinth, he is addressing them directly. And Paul goes on to say that through us, and he uses this term through us, people will give thanks. Paul has in mind that this congregation in Corinth would give money and it would be centrally um, taken care of and then distributed accordingly. So it's not every Christian like is touched by a donkey sanctuary advert on TV and then just decides to give all their money to that. Um, however worthwhile donkey sanctuaries are, Paul says the, uh, by and large, money to be donated uh, to good causes comes, and, and this is something that uh, is true for my family at least, it goes to the church and then the church decides what is the best way and it does it prayerfully rather than uh, just, oh, um, whatever latest charity pulls the heartstrings, it's the church prayerfully decides where strategically money should go. And so the local fellowship collects it and then it goes off to be prayerfully uh, um, distributed. And Paul wants you to know that if believers are generous, they will be rewarded. That if believers give liberally, they will receive liberally. That there is a generosity that God responds to. And he says, you know what? Uh, God loves a cheerful giver and he will respond um, in form. And he says everyone is, uh, this applies to everyone, no one is excluded. Every person that considers themselves part of that local fellowship is being told by Paul, you need to give your money. And he says that this is a few things. First of all, it's an expression of worship. When you give, you're saying, Thank you, God, for all that you have given me. God is a generous God. And if you have any blessings in your life, then you can ultimately attribute to God. And a response is to give God cold, hard cash. Who says God isn't practical? Eh? Um, so it's an a, it's a element of worship. It's an element of trust in God. If you do without money, you have to trust that God will look after you. If you don't give money... 
you are um, cutting God out of the equation. You're saying, you know what, God, I can, uh, I'm going to do this without you. But when you give, you're saying, you know, I'm relying on you to make up the deficiency that I'm lacking. And it's kindness. When you give money, you're being kind to other people. Um, and we're going to look at this um, in a little bit more detail later on. Now, the exact amount that we are to give is different. There's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a percentage or a formula that everyone just needs to sit down and work out and do themselves. Paul says we should consult our hearts. Now, I'm really good at reconciling being stingy in my heart. So he doesn't just mean ask yourself what you can get away with. He's talking about your inner being, which the Holy Spirit talks to. And so he's saying, um, look inside, talk to the Holy Spirit, see what the Holy Spirit would have you give, not what you can get away with, or, and this is slightly unnerving, what your balance book says you can do. You're supposed to ask the Holy Spirit and he should guide you towards how much you should give. And this will be different for everyone. No one will be giving the same amount. And so we need to ask ourselves. And uh, elsewhere in, in, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about it being on a regular basis. He talks to them about giving regularly on the, the first day of the week. And um, I suggest to you that uh, a lot of uh, money is paid out on a monthly basis. And so asking yourselves on a monthly basis um, how you should give is a very good way of doing it. Fortnightly, that's fine with me. Now, some of you are thinking, well, okay, I'm probably spend, I could probably spare another 50p or a pound. You know, I'll pop that in the back and God bless you, Kevin, enjoy that extra 50p or pound. Well, the problem is, right at the beginning of sort of uh, uh, the Bible in Genesis, we have Abraham come across this mysterious figure called Melchizedek and he's kind of half priest half king and in uh, uh, later on I think it's in the book of Hebrews it talks about uh, Jesus being like uh, Melchizedek anyway and this thing before the sort of mosaic covenants came about um, Abraham gives 10% of all his wealth to Melchizedek and it seems again and again in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, that that is seen as kind of a good rule of thumb as a measure of giving. And through church history, particularly, that has uh, uh, been a helpful guide. Because people have gone, well, Kevin, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, but he seems to be saying 100% and that can't be right. So what, what can I give? And, and, and so it's, it's often a, a guide or a rule of thumb that sort of 10% of your income goes to God. Now, some of you are like, so is that gross or net? Am I talking before or after tax and everything else? Well, you know what? I don't think we need to be bothered there quite yet. It, I'm not, um, we're not after that fine detail this morning. But it's possibly worth discussing. And, and so we are looking, when we talk about giving, of you giving 10% of your income 
to the local congregation where we divvy it up and give it out. Now, some who are wealthy, you know, they perhaps don't just rely on the state for their benefits, but they uh, um, have a half-decent job. Or, and this is an alternative, you have a, 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 um, a gift of giving, where you are able to rigorously sort out your finances and able to give in a manageable way more than than most people would expect. And so some people can expect to give more. Um, And I want you to know that it's the spirit that prompts you. It's not my hard luck story up the front that tells you how much you should give. So when I'm speaking this morning, it's not, oh, poor Kevin, he's asking for money. Let's give more than I have previously. It's that shouldn't be the measure with how much you give. It should be what the Holy Spirit talks to you about giving. And it, it takes a little bit of time. You can't just write it off with a, Holy Father, how much should I give? 5%. There you go, Kev. 5%, I will give that. And it's like, no, it's, it's supposed to be sort of prayer and fasting and thought and consideration. And I want you to know that begging leaders is not a way for you to measure how much you should give, guilt trips of, you know, sob stories. I'm going to show you some raw figures and you'll be like, whoa, I I better start uh, giving. That's not really the means by which we give. We give by what the Holy Spirit says. And let me tell you, it's not also a way to um, to make up for sin. If you've sinned Monday to Saturday and think you can kind of write off it, by giving loads of money on the Sunday, you've missed the point. Money is not that uh, ability so that you can sin and then give us a load of cash. Um, it would be really good for the church if we could offer that. And unfortunately, it's one of the things that started off the Reformation was the case of if, if you or your relatives have been naughty, then you can give the church a load of cash and we will, um, uh, we will sort you out. We will see you good and uh, absolve your sins. And it doesn't work like that. It's, it, it, the, the motive behind it is none of those things. It's you talking to the Holy Spirit in you. But nonetheless, it should be that just as a farmer discovers that the more seeds he plants, the more crops he sees, the more we give, the more God will bless us. Now, sometimes this is income, and, and there are... Uh, Uh, And I've certainly heard stories and there have certainly been moments in my life where I've managed to increase my giving and there has been uh, 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 an unexpected increase or or a bonus somewhere else. Sometimes it's success. Sometimes it's sort of promotion or something that your heart's desired for a long time. And you don't see God giving you back that 50 quid you gave but you do see him providing something else that you've wanted. Sometimes it's a a spiritual blessing. So people, uh, you know, sort of give and you trust God and there's some sort of uh, spiritual dividend out there. I think we're talking about answered prayers. I think we're talking about gifts of the Spirit. I think we're talking about healings and salvations. They are all possible consequences of giving. It is not a... Um, the line between how much you give 
and what you get back isn't linear. So it may be that you give God an extra 50 quid a month and you might start speaking in tongues. I don't know whether it quite looked like that, but they're, they're, it's not always in the same proportion. God will uh, prom- promises that he will give more, that he is a better giver than you. Um, so if there are things that you long for, it may be that your lack of giving um, is something that you can work on. My, <laughs> this is really not really encouraging, but it's my own experience. I think for the tailors and our um, sort of ability to give and sort of uh, budget so that we can give to the church, um, I haven't seen huge uh, bonuses. I haven't seen huge incomes. I haven't been promoted to the top of the civil service yet or anything else. Um, but I do think that our family has been saved from all sorts of practical calamities that you hear uh, from everyone else. Uh, my family is really good at owning old cars. Uh, my my dad kind of established that as a value from early on, um, and uh, I've kind of felt that you basically you own the oldest car you can get away with. And so we've been doing that. So we were married in 2002, and we've kept on that kind of mentality ever since. And I think God's been really good at saving us from mechanical malfunction. I know it's weird and it's not super spiritual and you are not going to find the apostle paul talking about it but i think it's true i took my car in to the garage uh, last year for an mot and the uh, mechanic looked at me a bit bemused and goes we can't find any oil in it i was like what do you mean you can't find any oil in it and he goes there's no oil in it he goes we had to fill it up with oil i was like well cars can't run without oil can't they and he was like no they can't And I'm not claiming it's a miracle, but I am saying I find that interesting. And to to give my little story a little bit of credibility, um, my favourite missionary story is of Brother Andrew. Um, there's this Bible smuggler who, when sort of communism was at its peak, he'd smuggle Bibles um, and get into all sorts of danger and excitement. Um, and he drove this VW Beetle. Um, and uh, they had a kind of replica of the VW Beetle in a big church day out a couple of years ago. Uh, and anyway, there's this great story of um, it finally getting a service after like 10 years or something, like because this missionary couldn't afford it. Um, uh, and then discovering it had no oil in it whatsoever. And the guy would sort of point it out and go, it's a miracle. So if Brother Andrew can claim it's a miracle, then the tailor's going to claim it as a miracle as well. Sometimes the blessing of giving is not um, loads of extra cash, is not getting that promotion that you've always wanted, is not getting unexpected envelopes uh, full of cash posted through your door. Sometimes it's just your old car making it to the next MOT. Sometimes it's your boiler not breaking down. Sometimes it's your pipes not bursting. Because if you know, if you um, have looked after a household for any sense of time, the amount of domestic catastrophes that can happen is almost infinite. And every day can bring a new one. 
And um, I really feel that, that, that God has saved the Taylor Hatt family from a lot of them. So uh, I know it's not very inspiring, but it's kind of, that's all I've got at the moment. So uh, it's good. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes clear that the money that we give to the church should primarily go to God's people, that it comes into the church and then it's given out to other folk. And I think these other folk fall into two categories, and I'll give you lots of scripture references another time because we ain't got time for that. Um, But I think, first of all, it'll go to leaders. Some people, they don't have the time to go out to work because they are concerned with the affairs of the church and they teach and they preach and they uh, sort of uh, work in the context of the church. And so um, they don't get income outside and so it falls on the church. And Paul elsewhere talks about, look, you guys fund the Apostle Peter and many others. Uh, It should be a given that you look after these leaders so um, that they can feed themselves and their families. And secondly, uh, this category of God's people, I think there are folks in need that the church should be able to provide for. Um, And and I think it's as as simple as that. And so in the past that we've given to uh, Christians Against Poverty, which sort of puts things in place for those that are in debt, are able to recover themselves, um, and we've given to... um, the Easter team and other agencies that provide food parcels and, uh, and that sort of thing. So I, I think you're kind of looking for those two things to make the most up of your giving. Right, let me g- give you some actual figures. This is, this is as simple as I could make. You know, like, so um, I got some uh, figures from our treasurer and I'm like, what? What's going on? I don't understand any of it. But I'm kind of trying to boil it down to this. This is our annual income uh, till basically, uh, what's it, Friday. <laughs> uh, and so we had about an income of about £27,000. You're like, £27,000? You could do quite a lot with that. Well, um, that £27,000, uh, what's the actual figure? 68% of that income came from eight adults here. Now, we get an average of about 25 adults. So, eight adults give. And to make it worse, those eight adults give seven direct debits. I've got a feeling that our treasurers sort of said, Sam and Kev give one direct debit. So, we'll count them as separate adults, but there's only one direct debit. So, Sam and I... And our direct debit, that leaves six other direct debits. That's what funds this church. Um, the red bit is gift aid. Uh, no, the blue bit is gift aid. So we get that back off the uh, government for the uh, sort of monthly direct debits coming in. So we can claim the tax back off that. Um, so, so it's 68% from those seven direct debits, 17% of that uh, extra comes from gift aid, and the weekly offerings is 15%. 
So the money that goes into the bat, that's 15%. So that might be one or two people that give on top of that. I think sort of giving physically is certainly a good thing. And I know a lot of preachers that say if you uh, give cold, hard cash, that that is something uh, that God loves. I'm more of a direct debit kind of guy. I like them in there. And it also means that me and Brian don't have to ca- count shrapnel, okay? You know, it's, uh, if it's all direct debit, someone else worries about that. And then we get gift aid easily on top of it. So if you're thinking, well, should I give? It might be slightly more spiritual to give actual sort of notes and shrapnel, but it makes our lives a lot easier if it's direct debit. Um, and uh, um, so I'll just throw that in there just for, just for fun. I suggest that seven direct debits from eight people for a group three times that size is deficient. I don't think it's uh, reflective of the wider group. Now, Paul says that giving is a private matter. I don't know who else gives. I don't know what the other six direct debits outside my family is. I know their size, though. Um, But it's a private matter, and it's something that you need to all ask the Holy Spirit about. Um, But the low income, relatively from a few people probably means that we can't, as a church, bless other charities and other people as we should. I will show you our running costs in a minute, and I think they're pretty cool. Um, But our ambitions are slightly lessened because I don't think everyone has got behind this truth. I've got some great dreams of all the generosity things we could get up to. It would be so good to do lots of different things, like uh, um, send someone to Bible college. It would be good to uh, give more to missions. It would be fantastic to uh, have like a bursary for sort of a Y-whammer up the road. Um, My imagination for being generous for this church knows no bounds, but we can't do it because we don't have the income. So, Pete and Tim, are you all right in a sec to say something? So, I've asked Pete and Tim uh, to say something um, on this matter, just so that it's not me whinging and uh, you getting one side of it. It's, a, it's something, hopefully, a desire that we all share. Um, Tim, do you want to say something? Good. everyone. Um, so I've kind of had a couple of Bible verses, which it's always good to ground things in the Bible. Um, so from Romans chapter 12, um, we all like worship, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, it says, um, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it doesn't specifically talk about giving, but it's talking about acts of sacrifice. 
And sometimes giving can be a sacrifice. So I can, <laughs> I can very well relate to that. Um, I'll kind of come back to that in a second. So the other verse, which kind of Kev's already brought from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it talks about God loves a cheerful giver and giving what you've determined in your heart to give. When it says determined, you kind of think of cheerful. I should be happy about giving, but determined kind of speaks about a choice. So sometimes it is a choice for us, and sometimes it can be hard to have a smile on your face if you're struggling to put food on the table. I can kind of give personal testimony. I mean, when we, when Rachel and myself first got married, our income was less than our outgoings. So the idea of tithing is a pretty tough one when you're in that situation. And it's easy to look at us now and think, oh, they've got it easy. It's not always being easy. Sometimes giving is a choice, and it's a hard choice. Um, but we determined, as that verse says, we determined in our hearts to, to give. That doesn't mean that sometimes we didn't wrestle with that choice. Sometimes when you're seeing you're kind of going overdrawn, and it is a really tough choice to make. But we chose to stick with that. So Kev talked about the 10%, and we kind of use that as a almost as a baseline figure to go from. And I, I think, you know, it, it was difficult. I won't pretend that it wasn't. And yet we've seen God's faithfulness through that. Um, I mean, I could kind of give a few stories. I mean, when we had Bethany, we had a gift, I think it was about £400 that came in. Um, so we didn't have money for to get a pram and things like that. So with that money, we were able to get things that you feel like you should be able to provide for your, your children. And it's, you're giving out of, out of almost lack. I think of the widow's might, and when she's given that, that coin, that could have been the last money that she had. She's given out of a place of having nothing to give. The only thing that she could give, she did. Um, and I, I think this idea of being a cheerful giver is kind of, you know, it, it's easy when you're in a place of plenty to be a cheerful giver. You can think, yeah, I'd, I'd love to help out. I would say a bursary for YWAM. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? You know, what, wouldn't that make you cheerful to be able to support someone, to go, go out on mission and, and do these things? Um, the chart that Kev's going to show you in a little while, that's got the figures on for what we give to missions. And I really like that it's a big piece of the chart. I would be really sad if that was kind of a thin sliver because isn't church about giving out to others, giving out to each other, and actually having a bigger vision than just us here. I think that's so important. Um, but yeah, going, going back to, so when we first married, our, yeah, we were on a negative balance, so that was not a nice place to be. And yet, somehow, we stayed afloat. I mean, I, I don't know how. I really don't. It, it can only be by God's grace. I won't say that we were always in the black in that time, that, that wasn't the case. We were overdrawn. We were kind of really juggling figures, moving money around and trying to refinancing loans and things. It, it was challenging. But we resolved to give that that, that we felt we should give um, to the church. Um, it's kind of a story of when... So when we looked to come down here, 
who actually were moving down to go to the Bible college. The day before I was due to come down, I actually had a, a collision in the car. So the vehicle which I was going to drive down here in was a write-off. So you think, oh, well, there's God's provision for you. Fantastic. <laughs> but, yeah, it talks about the testing of your faith, proving it genuine. I mean, you think the day before you're going to travel down and you now you have no vehicle and you have no finance to be able to pay for another vehicle. Um, so I went to the church with my dad afterwards. So the church there is kind of like a vicarage. They have a Bible college base there. And you often see people milling around. And as I was, as I was walking up to the house, there was a church member that came up behind us and said, do you know anyone that needs a car? Wow. <laughs> it's like they knew nothing about what had happened. And, you, you know, you can't explain that. No oil in your engine. You, you, it's not logical. And I put that down to God caring for us through our giving, through our sacrifice, our spiritual act of worship. God has taken care of us. Admittedly, I blew the head gasket on that car a few months later. <laughs> but it got us down here. It served the purpose. It, it fulfilled the need, you know. <laughs> and I think you can see the calamities. If you really want to, you can just focus on those. But look for the good that God's doing in your life. I went down to Horsham with no accommodation. So I came down to go to Bible college because of us being a family, they wouldn't actually take us into the Bible college there. So they only had kind of couples and singles. So they wouldn't actually have children there. So I came down with nowhere to go to. Um, and no car at one point. <laughs> Fortunately, God fulfilled that. Uh, we had a couple in the church that put me up kind of temporarily for a couple of weeks. Um, which was a real blessing. They actually lent me their Volvo estate to come back up and bring stuff down so that um, when we were able to move. Our accommodation, again, um, I couldn't afford rent in Horsham. <laughs> Horsham rents are astronomical for those that aren't aware of that. Um, and I had no income other than our benefits, child benefit and a few things. Um, but we had someone from the church in Yorkshire actually had a static caravan in Chichester. Uh, we knew, again, knew nothing about this, and they were able to come forward and let us use that static caravan to live in. A uh, uh, nominal rent, and I mean really nominal. I suspect the gas that we were burning to keep warm over winter was probably more than the rent we were paying. Um, and again, an example of God's, God's grace. And God's generosity. Um, it was fantastic living in there. It was kind of quite um, liberating in a way to not be in a house. And actually, you had everything you needed in this caravan. None of the kind of clutter that you gather in a house. It, it was really nice. Um, we had friends that were close by that were able to help us as well. that had moved down before. But yeah, God's provision then when it came to the end of Bible college, I needed to look for a work. Now, my work is quite niche. It's not kind of your normal job. I do software testing, for those that don't know. Um, 
I went to the job centre and had a chat with them. I'm looking for work. No, we can't help you. It's kind of all the jobs they had were kind of entry level jobs, so they they were not able to help. I actually got the local newspaper and saw a job advert in there. I mean, they were basically telling me to go to the agencies because they're the sort of people that do this. In the local newspaper, there was this job advert, and I could tick everything on that job advert. And again, <laughs> I put that down to God's provision. I mean, that was not a job that you would see in the local paper. It's not a job that you advertise. You go through agencies or, or the like. So it was like I just read it. That's my job. I knew that. I had peace in my heart. And... Um, yeah, I had the interview and, and they offered me it kind of later in the day. So walking around South Walter Park, actually. <laughs> but yeah, God, God's provision. Um, and from there, it's kind of just gone on. I've always known God's favour in my workplace. And I kind of attribute some of that. You could say, oh, it's because it's you. I, I, I don't really, maybe, but I kind of attribute a lot of it down to God. I make a mistake, people kind of go, ah, well, never mind. It's got, you're expecting to get beaten up. I see God's favour in the workplace, and I kind of put that down to the fact that we are honouring God. We are worshipping him in a way that I feel is right. We are honouring him with our finances. Um, if I kind of look at our expenditures, so we have a spreadsheet that helps us to budget when that's outgoings and more than your income, it kind of feels a little bit pointless sometimes. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not in that place now. We're, it's taken us a long time to kind of get back to a, a good position in our finances from when we started out. But but now we've, we've managed to get a house. You know, we, we've seen God's provision down here. And to be honest, trying to get on the housing market was just so difficult and in, in some respects God kind of used that to bring us to Bewbush we were in Horsham we were quite happy in Horsham it's a nice place it's quiet no none of this riffraff <laughs> it's kind of you know we were quite happy there um, and you look around and you say how on earth are we going to get on the housing market it's impossible it's it's out of reach and yet we kind of came and viewed a house here and we just saw the community out actually helping each other in, in the place that we looked. The house was abysmal. We didn't buy the house, but it really inspired us, that community, that sense of community. And kind of that's why we're here, really, is that, that sense of community, that we, we feel that this is where God placed us. I think the one thing that I would say above finances is to be where God wants you to be. And... That's kind of, I think, if you do those two things, if you honour God with your finances and if you follow his will for your life and go where he wants you to be, those are the safest places you can be. And God will provide for you if you're in that position. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I can relate. You know, it's easy to look at me now and think, oh, he doesn't have any problems. Well, we've had problems. We've been through our hardships. But yet we've come through and God has prospered us. I know Kev hates the prosperity teachings and I kind of do as well. I really like at River Camp that they make a point of saying, 
don't give out to, don't put yourself in debt to give. I really like that. That said, we were giving out of a position of debt when we were starting out. So I, I like that they don't pressure people. And I would say the same is true here, that we don't pressure people to give and to put themselves in debt. That's not our heart. We don't want to see people struggling. And I think Kev's made that quite clear. And I would just reiterate that. But from my personal experience, I have given out of what I have not had. And yet God has met our needs. Yeah. We're not even... We're a third of the way through. We're going to have to leave it here. Pete, are you able to save what you were going to save to next week? Excellent. Um, I I quite like it when someone other than the preacher talks about the importance. It's 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 not just my little hobby horse. It's you have these experienced Christians sort of talk about it, and uh, you'll hear uh, what Pete has to say next time, and we will give you some. Uh, uh, expenditure figures, which I think are really uh, encouraging, and uh, they, I think you should be, um, they, I think you should be gladdened by them. Um, so we're going to go in that next time. Um, I, I'm going to, just because I think it's something that we're aiming towards as a community. It's not just something just to let go, but I, I think it's uh, an, an ambition. Um, that if nothing else, our treasurer needs us to be praying into. Um, so if we could stand, and I'm just going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we realise that we live in a very expensive area of an expensive country. We realise there are manifold demands on our money and our finances. Uh, Lord God, we realize um, that there, we are surrounded by people that have different priorities and different objectives for what they are to do with their wealth. But Lord God, we see and hear from scripture that we are to be a people set apart, that we are to do things differently. Lord God, I thank you for Tim's story of your goodness to him and not just him, to his wife and to his five children. And uh, Lord God, that he uh, would just feel so deeply um, about this subject and that, that you've obviously um, spoken to him and his family about it. Lord God, I pray that every single person that is part of this fellowship, that comes here regularly, um, that we would... Uh, consult our hearts that we would give you Holy Spirit a chance to speak to us Lord God I pray that the money we give would be the money that uh, you have decided that that is good to give Um, that Lord God that we wouldn't give too little and that we wouldn't go uh, to the point at which uh, sort of debt and calamity follow because we haven't heard from you Lord um, I pray that we would be wise in this And Lord God, I pray that we would be lookout and aware that as we are generous, as we replicate the heart you have in our heart, that we would um, see and notice 
uh, and observe the blessings that you lavish on us. Lord God, we thank you that we can never outgive you. We thank you that Paul ends this passage in 2 Corinthians 9 with you are the giver of the indescribable gift. And we know that we celebrate that in Jesus' death and resurrection in a few weeks' time. And uh, Lord God, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful. Thank us, uh, help us to be cheerful givers too. Uh, Lord God, I pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.